wasn't me. I tried that same thing and I got the silent treatment. Sure did. Gotcha. Am I on, sister? All right. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> She'll be back. Uh, oh, quicker than we thought. <laughs> hey, it's only eight years old and younger. <laughs> Amen. Wow, so glad that you're here today, and I pray that your blessing has already begun. But I know that God is blessed just by you being here, by you setting apart this Sunday morning. Uh, not that you can't do this with God any day of the week at any time of the day, but you know, we set aside this part of the, of the week to come together. And I just want you to know that I, for one, am encouraged uh, by your desire to come and worship the Lord like you do. Uh, but you know, for several weeks now, we've been looking at hurdles. We've been looking at obstacles that stand in the way of success to all of our teens. Uh, just listen to a few of the hurdles that we have discussed that we must overcome in our marital family, in our, our uh, family team, our church team, our work team. Uh, in order for us to be successful and effective, we've got to overcome all of these hurdles. Just listen to a few of them. One of the hurdles that we've got to overcome is an attitude of ingratitude. Amen? Here's another obstacle, a lack of prayer, impatience, a lack of love. We must overcome wrong perspectives, misplaced priorities, diminished power, lack of purpose. We've got to overcome the hurdle of inconsistent living, competition, conceit, criticism, being inconsiderate, uh, not being Christ-like. We've got to overcome the obstacle of being welled up with pride and arrogance, uh, complaining, legalism. We've got to overcome empty religious activity. We've got to overcome self-centered ambition. I mean, whoa, what a list. What a list. How in the world are we going to overcome all of these hurdles. I mean, on the surface, it seems like all of our teams are doomed. It seems like our marital teams are doomed. It seems like our family teams don't stand a chance. It seems like all of these things just are so overwhelming that it makes our teams look like underdogs. Well, I want to tell you today, I always root for the underdog. Amen? And I'm used to it this year. Amen? <laughs> we'll leave that one alone. It just seems like to me sometimes, though, that the obstacles and the hurdles seem like they're just too big. It seems like sometimes the hurdles just seem like they're too many. But let me make a couple points for you. Did you know that that's exactly what God's people were thinking before David planted a stone in the forehead of Goliath? And defeated him? See, God's people, they said, you know what? We don't have a chance. We're doomed. But that's what God's people were also thinking 
just before Gideon's 300 overcame tens of thousands of Midianites. That's exactly what God's people were thinking when Jesus was crucified on an old rugged cross only to rise up three days later. They were thinking, oh, we're doomed. We don't have a chance. But Jesus proved them wrong. Jesus is always for the underdog. Amen? Paul said, yet in these things we are more than conquerors through Him. Who loved us. But how? Today we need to know how can we become conquerors? How can we become overcomers? How can we overcome that incredible list of hurdles that all of our teams face day in and day out? Well, today Paul gives us some insight on how we can dodge defeat. If you would, turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. And I'm going to share with you just three short verses. And from that, I believe we can glean some life-changing insights that will help us to dodge defeat. In Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12, the, the apostle writes to believers. So he's writing to you and I as well. Not that I have already attained it or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. That is, I haven't already achieved it, but one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I read about a family who had sat down for dinner, and the father asked the youngest son to ask God's blessing over the meal. And while the family was waiting for the prayer, the boy was eyeballing every dish that was on the table. And as he did, he bowed his head and he began to pray. And he said, Lord, I don't like the look of it, but I know that you've given it to us, and I thank you, so I'll eat it anyway. You know, people could say something very similar about the Apostle Paul's life. They might say something like, look at your life, Paul. I don't like the looks of it. I mean, look at what following Jesus has gotten you. Prison, beatings, shipwrecks, trials, tribulation, tons of trouble. You speak of victory, but there ain't no light at the end of your tunnel. All I see is the grave. Where, Paul, is your victory? Well, Paul follows up by giving these believers three methods that all of us can use to dodge defeat. The first of which is this. He gave it there in verse 13. He said, forget things which are behind. He said... Not that I've already achieved it, but one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind. What kinds of things should we be forgetting? Well, forgetting the past for some is a whole lot easier than it is for others. But Paul encourages us all to forget the things that hinder the success of all of our teams. The first one is, he encourages us to forget past 
difficulties. We need to forget past difficulties. Friend, you've got to forget those obstacles that you've already passed over in your past. You need to forget those hurdles that you've already crossed over. It's time to move on. Friend, your life will be filled with obstacles. You have them now, and they will always be there. We'll always have these hurdles. But some obstacles, we find, are of satanic origin. But I want you to know that other obstacles, other hurdles, God permits for the testing of your faith. If you're listening, say amen. God knows that the only way that your faith is going to grow is by exercising it. God knows the only way your faith is going to grow is when you exercise that faith. Therefore, He is going to permit obstacles. He is going to permit hurdles in your life so that you will exercise your faith and so it will grow. Either way, no matter what its source, no matter what origin it is, you cannot let obstacles keep you from following Christ. You must move on no matter what. So let's forget past difficulties. But let's also forget past failures. Sometimes we got to just pause and say, you know what? I'm just going to forget that failure. I'm going to forget that sinful time in my life. Remember what the Lord Jesus said to Simon Peter in Luke chapter 22. He said to Peter, boy, listen here. Peter, I pleaded for you in prayer that your faith should not fail. But when you've repented and turned to me again, be sure to strengthen and build up your brothers. That's an interesting verse. Because that verse tells us that Jesus knew that Peter was going to fail. He knew that Peter wasn't going to make it over the obstacle. He knew that he was going to trip when he tried to go over that hurdle. But let me tell you something else Jesus knew. Jesus also knew that Peter was going to make a comeback. Amen? You're going to fall sometimes. You're going to trip over that hurdle. But Jesus knows and wants you to continue making a comeback. Janet and I were watching uh, football on Thursday night. The NCAA champion Florida State Seminoles were playing the Louisville Cardinals. The Cardinals were a big-time underdog. But like I said, I love an underdog. Amen. I always root for the underdog. And as we rooted for the Louisville Cardinals, they went up 21 to nothing in the first half over the champs. They were whooping the champs now. And we were cheering and loving it. But like all winning teams do, Florida State went into halftime. They put their mistakes behind them. And when they came out, they focused on their comeback and they ended up winning 42 to 31. Sometimes you've just got to forget it. You've got to put that stuff in your past. You've got to forget that past failure. You can't do anything about it. So why would you focus on that? We need to focus on the comeback. We all need to focus on the comeback. See, when you're focusing on anything else but the comeback, you're focusing on something you ain't got no control over. So when you're focusing on the comeback, never look back. 
looking back takes your eyes off the goal. If you're so busy looking at yesterday's mistakes, you're not going to see today's victory. Let's be sure not to look back at our failures. But we also need to make sure that we forget past attractions. Things like worldly success. We need to forget about that stuff. Jesus said so much when he said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That's the victory, amen? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Forget what the world calls success. If you want to dodge defeat in your life, if you want your teens, marital, family, church, work teams to be successful, if you want them to dodge defeat, you've got to forget what the world calls success and you've got to start focusing on things that have eternal significance. Eternal victory. Then you'll dodge defeat. But not only the worldly success, but we also need to focus or forget about things that involve worldly pleasure. Now, friend, I can't speak for you, but I can speak for myself. And I know that I have not only been attracted to, but I have fallen into the trap of worldly pleasure many times in my life. I always thought, that worldly pleasure would somehow make me happy. But I can tell you this with all the honesty within me, that every single one of those worldly pleasures came up short when compared to the abundant life that I now enjoy in Christ Jesus. And I'll tell you it's the same for you as well. We need to forget those things. Forget the worldly success. Forget the worldly pleasures and move on. If you want your team to dodge defeat, forget the things which are behind. But Paul continues on talking to these believers. And he says, you must also do this. You must also reach for the things which are ahead. Not that I've already achieved it, but one thing I do, yeah, forgetting those things which are behind, but also reaching forward to those things which are ahead. It's a two-part phrase, and each one is just, the important, just as important. But what kinds of things am I to be reaching forward to? One thing is, we ought to be reaching forward to victory. Amen? We ought to be striving for victory. Can somebody tell me, what is life's greatest obstacle? Self, that's a great one. Not the greatest one. Somebody, somebody else tell me, what's, what's life's greatest obstacle? Help me out. Come on, y'all. Relationships? Can be, but that's not the greatest. What else? Self certainly is a big one. What else? Come on. Separation from God. Separation from God. Amen. That's a big one. What's the greatest hurdle you face in your life? Temptation. Temptation. What's a greater hurdle you face in your life? What's a greater, a greater hurdle you face even than sin? The greatest hurdle you face in your life is death. Because you can't do nothing about that. Death is the greatest obstacle that we have. But Jesus has already achieved victory over that hurdle. So to achieve victory, to reach forward, to strive for overcoming, reach for Jesus. 
Reach for Him when you're down, when you're behind, when you're losing the battle, when you're ready to give up, when you've had enough is enough, when you're ready to throw in the towel, when your team is struggling. Get to Jesus. He's got the victory. Just get to Jesus. Whatever you've got to do, just get to Jesus. He's the one that's got the victory. And you get to him and you'll have the victory too. But there's something else we ought to reach forward to. Another thing we should reach for, and that is for success. Not worldly success. We ought to be reaching for Christian success. How do we, how do we succeed in our Christian lives? We succeed by glorifying God. The Bible says, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. You want to be a Christian success? Just ask yourself this question. Is what I'm doing glorifying God? Is the way I'm talking glorifying God? Is the way I'm treating my spouse glorifying God? Is the way I'm worshiping the Lord glorifying God? Is the way I'm interacting with my friends, is it glorifying God? Is the way I'm spending my money glorifying God? Friends, if you can answer yes to all those questions, you are a success. You are a success. Reach forward to that success. But how, what is probably the greatest way that we can glorify God? I talked about this in our Wednesday morning Bible study. The greatest way that you can glorify God, and listen carefully, friends, is by getting desperate for Him. You see, when I'm desperate for something, nothing stands in the way. When we're desperate for God, nothing stands in the way. When I become desperate for God, everything else has got to go. When I become desperate for God, it becomes all about Him. When I become desperate for God, there is simply nothing I won't do to get closer to Him. I'm desperate. I'm absolutely desperate for Him. Hebrews 12.1 says, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Friend, when we become desperate for God, there is no obstacle, there is no hurdle, there is no barrier that has a chance of standing in the way. But you got to become desperate. A lot of people don't, don't whip addictions Till they become desperate. A lot of people don't stop bad habits until they become desperate. Friend, I want to challenge you today to become desperate for God. Become desperate for God. Are you going to trip and fall even though you're desperate for God? Yeah, you're going to. But you'll always get back up. You'll always strive for him. You'll always desire to reach for that which honors God. Can I challenge you this morning to become desperate for God? You do that by reaching for victory and reaching for Christian success. But friend, you also do it by reaching for holiness. Holiness is simply Christ-likeness. 
And when you're trying to become holy and the Bible says, be holy for I am holy, God said, that means it's possible. There's got to be a beginning. If you're reaching for holiness, there's got to be a starting place, a, a starting point where you recognize that something's got to change. When you recognize that you want to reach for holiness, you're desperate for God, you realize that there's got to be a starting point. Today, I recognize that there are some necessary changes that I need to make so that I can become desperate for God. There must be a beginning. There must be a starting point at which I begin to yield my flesh, yield my own personal desires. I begin to yield my sinful nature and begin allowing the Spirit of God to work through me and through my life. So there must be a beginning. But you know what? There must also be a continuation. Once you start, you've got to continue. 2 Corinthians says this, because we have these promises, dear friends, let us, say this word with me, continually, continually cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body and spirit. We need to be continually cleansing ourselves. You see, this Christian life that we're a part of is not a destination. As you know, it's a journey where we continually grow. We continually mature. We continually improve. We continually become more and more faithful. Paul says, hey, forget the things which are behind. Reach forward to the things which are ahead. But then finally he instructs us to press toward the mark. Verse 14, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Want to dodge defeat, do you? Want a successful marriage? Want a successful family? Want an effective church? Want a prosperous workplace? You want to dodge defeat in those areas? Press toward the mark. Keep going to the finish line. Press on toward the finish. You see, that's the goal of all sports, is to keep going to the finish. Keep on going until you get to the finish line. At the 2002 Winter Olympics, there were five finalists for the gold medal in the 1,000-meter speed skating race. During the final lap, the Americans and the Chinese were out front. The Canadians and the Korean team were hot on their heels, and the poor Australian speed skater was destined for a dismal last place. But as they came around that final curve in the speed skating race, the Chinese skater just barely bumped the American skater. And off they went, tumbling into the guardrail. As they bounced off the guardrail and back into the lane, lo and behold, the Canadian and Korean skaters did the same thing. And they were all in this tangled mess of arms and legs. Lo and behold... Here comes the Australian skater. He picks up one skate and skates right on by him and goes across the finish line. And he says, gold! I've won the gold! He won the gold for one reason. Because he crossed the finish line. He won the gold for one reason. Only because he finished the race. 
He didn't have the best time. He didn't have an Olympic record or a world record. He simply just didn't quit. Furthermore, he simply just didn't get tangled up in the mess that the race brought. Friend, you don't have to be the fastest. And you ain't got to set no records. Just don't quit. Just don't get tangled up in the sinful mess that you see sometimes in your life. He finished the race. And that's what we need to do too. Just press on to the finish. But I believe that we also ought to press on toward faithfulness. You see, that's one of the requirements for stewards. What is a steward? A steward is simply a manager of what God's given. Has God given you all anything at all? That means you're a steward. You're a manager of what God has given you. And Paul wrote to the Corinthian believers, he said, Moreover, it is required, say required, it's required of stewards that one be found faithful. See, we're all stewards. We're all managers. We're all stewards of God's gifts. We're all stewards of God's talents, His resources, His gospel, His church. The question is this. Are we fulfilling the requirement? What was the requirement? Required of all stewards that one be found faithful. So you've been given all this stuff by God. The question is, are you being found faithful? With all the gifts that God's given you, are you being faithful with them? With all those resources that you have at your fingertips, are you being found faithful? With all those spiritual gifts that God's given you, it's required that you be faithful. He's given you a part in this church. Are you being found faithful? That's the requirement. And that's what we're called to be. So, Recognize this fact that God calls each one of us to a high calling. Friend, it's a heavenly calling. No, it's, it's a godly calling. Are you being found faithful? Are you being found faithful to, to grow in His Word, to grow in your devotion, to grow in your service toward Him? Are you desperate for God? So we got to press on to the finish line and we got to press on toward faithfulness. But one final thing tonight, today. We got to press on toward heaven. You see this high calling that I was talking about? It's a calling that comes from heaven to heaven. It's a calling from heaven to heaven. You and I ought to echo Paul's prayer to the Corinthian believers. Listen to what he said. In uh, excuse me, Colossians uh, chapter 1 and verse 3, he writes, We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. Friend, this is a pressing on toward heaven. Pressing on toward heaven. I read an article in Runner's World magazine. 
And the article described uh, Beth Ann DeGantis' attempt to qualify for the women's marathon back in the 1992 Olympics. A female runner has got to complete the marathon in two hours and 45 minutes in order to go on to the trials. Beth started strong, and she kept on going, but around mile 23, Beth Ann started having trouble. She reached the final straightway in two hours, 43 minutes, and then with just two minutes left to qualify, she fell down. 200 yards from the finish, and she stumbled and she fell. Dazed, she stayed down for 20 seconds. The crowd went crazy. Get up, get up, keep going. The clock was ticking. Two hours, 44 minutes. Less than a minute to go. And Beth Ann staggered to her feet. And she began to walk toward the finish line. And as she did, she got five yards short of the finish line. From me to that wall. Five yards short of the finish line. And she fell down again. So she began to crawl. The crowd was cheering her on madly. And finally she crossed the finish line on her hands and knees. Her time... Two hours, 44 minutes, 57 seconds. She qualified. She qualified. She was stumbling, falling, crying, crawling. But she just didn't quit. And she qualified. What must you do? To dodge defeat. What must you do for your teams. In order to finish well. I believe the Bible teaches us today. That we ought to forget what's behind. And focus on the comeback. I believe that the Bible teaches us today. That we ought to reach for what is ahead. And get desperate for God. And I believe the Bible tells us that no matter what, we ought to press on toward the goal, the glorious hope of heaven. But it all begins at a starting point. It begins at a starting point, and then it has a continuing point. So where do you find yourself today? Do you find yourself in need of just, you know what, I need to start this race. I need to be at the beginning. I need to be at the starting point. I need to receive Jesus as my Savior and my Lord. The Bible says that when we receive Him, He gives us the right to become children of God to those who believe in His name. That's the starting point. Are you ready to start the race? Now, there may be a great many of us here who have started the race a long time ago. 
but we haven't been continuing very well. Maybe you need to focus on getting desperate for God. Because, friend, when you get desperate for God, everything else goes out the window. So wherever you are today, I believe that God wants you to know whether you're making a start or you're continuing on the race, today is the day for you to make a decision about that. And so during this song, you can step up, step out, step forward, and just let me show you what the Bible says. This ain't going to be what Bill Barlow says. It's going to be what God says about how you can make that fresh start or how you can continue on in this race of life. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, our Lord above, we praise you and we thank you for even being able to participate in this race. And Father, I thank you for scriptural, biblical helps that help us to dodge defeat and overcome the obstacles and the hurdles in our way. Father, as difficult as it is sometimes, help us to forget those things which are behind so that we can reach forward to those things which are ahead and press on in our desperation for you. Father, whatever decision anyone needs to make today. Lord, I pray that you would give them the peace and the strength and the courage to make a decision today that glorifies you. Lord, that's our sole reason for existence. And Lord, my prayer is, is that all of our teams, whether it be our marriage team, our family team, our church team, our work team, Lord, I pray that we're all about glorifying you. We love you, Father, and we thank you for Jesus Christ, your Son, who enables us to make this beginning, this fresh start, but who also gives us the power to continue this race. Lord, we just want to say we love you too, and we thank you for him, and we pray this prayer in his name. And all God's people said, amen. Let's all stand and let's sing. Let's stand, let's sing.